This is Bulls Beat on USF Bulls Unlimited. Each weekday morning, Bulls Beat is your stop for exclusive interviews, highlights, and the very latest on all sports at the University of South Florida. With today's show, here's your host, Derek Sharp. Well, hope you like drama. We're going to talk about it. We're going to have highlights from it. And we're going to tell you the importance of last night's incredible win We've had some pretty nice wins this fall by both the men's and women's soccer teams, but this easily takes the cake as the top one. A goal with about three seconds to go in Charlotte gives the Bulls a tremendous 2-1 to victory, and we'll discuss it here in our first segment. Oh yeah, we were supposed to begin today's show with some Jeff Scott, and you'll hear from him in our second block as during his press conference, gave him the first opportunity to speak about Gary Bohannon and the injury, and you'll hear to the point more about Trey Marsh and even some of the other quarterbacks on the Bulls roster. It does sound like the Bulls are going to get a little healthier, if not a lot healthier, for this week's game against Houston. But, yeah, we're going to get right to it. And just as a refresher, we've had some drama lately for the Bulls going into conference play. Hard to think back. They only had one win, and frankly, they only have three wins in conference play through their first seven matches. But just sprinkle in three ties, one most recently a big one against FIU, and you add it all up. And they were in, a like we said on yesterday's show, a position where if you tie this Charlotte team that's still in the top 25, one poll has the 49ers ranked 14th in the country at 8-2-2, two, and two. well, you're doing good work. And look like they were going to be tied, even though it was a strange road to get there. First half numbers favored the Bulls vastly. They outshot Charlotte 7-1. to Now, they weren't controlling play per se, but they were definitely keeping the 49ers at bay, keeping them from being able to send the ball in from the wings. And they got a couple of good shots themselves. But to hold Charlotte to one shot, this is a team that was averaging 17 shots a game. And, get this, in seven home games, was outscoring its opponent 28-2. to So with about 20 minutes left in this game, Charlotte only had four shots. And as I said on Twitter, half of their games this year, they've scored four goals. So the Bulls, most importantly, were doing a good job of at least trying to slow down a very talented offensive team. The first half ended very strangely with two yellow cards in the last minute for the Bulls. One was definitely deserved by Andres Frele, who definitely gotten some scoring prowess, but really hasn't gotten much playing time for the Bulls this year. Well, it was a corner kick, and he kind of tapped it in with his hand, which is not allowed. And so it was a yellow card. And then on the rush up the other direction with a few seconds left in the half, Sergio Pinaros Mayorga slid tackle. I thought he got ball, but it was ruled that he didn't by the official, and therefore two yellow cards. The lineup was definitely worth noting for the first time in a while. Luca Holenstein did not play for the Bulls. He had been a member of their starting defense. They had Sergio Pinaros Mayorga in the starting lineup. And even though he's got plenty of starts in his Bulls career, this was a definite different look as far as the defense went. Of course, you had Brian Schaefer out there. Oh, he had a big moment in this game. Nicholas Scargle played the full 90 minutes. He hardly played at all the first half of the season. And you had Josh Gomina, who is a man who was the left wing back on defense pretty much all of last year. But this year, when he came in, it was late in games and didn't get much playing time and was put in a forward position. Well, he was back on the wing, and he played the full 90 minutes. He had not gone more than 20 minutes in a game until SMU when he played half. So definitely some changes in the back end for the Bulls. And in the second half, you knew that Charlotte would get it going offensively. The 49ers 
first of all, in their home games, again, had outscored their opponents 28-2. In more than half of their games, seven of their 12 had multiple goals in the second half. So you knew it was not going to be easy. And again, a tie 0-0 would have been just fine. Boy, did Charlotte nearly score about 15 minutes into the half. The field started to slant in their direction offensively. And they had a ball come right down to a player in the penalty box. Basically, it was a tap-in, but he tried to blast it and blasted it wide. So the Bulls weren't getting many great chances, but Gomina helped set it up. Jamon Barclay cut it back to Ashmir Spengler. Now, these were definitely uh, Charlotte-based announcers, and you will hear the enthusiasm-level difference between the Bulls' goal and the Charlotte goal here, but we'll go ahead and give you the highlight anyway. Opportunity for USF to the top of the 18-yard box, uh -huh. and that's going to find the back of the net. Goal for the Bulls. And that breaks the tie here. Looks like it deflected off of Watts' foot there as he was stepping to the ball. You know, just as the Niners were creating more chances, USF marches down the field and, and, and gets a goal. Ajmir Spangler with the goal. Excellent job by them catching. It was a deflection, but still a goal for the Bulls. Ajmir Spangler, the setup by Jamon Barkley, the freshman from Jamaica, was very subtle but tremendous, and Spangler was able to line it up. So there were still 27 minutes left, and we told you that the field was starting to tilt in Charlotte's favor. It continued to do so, and it was just looking like there was no way the Bulls were going to keep them off the board. Add to it that the 49ers were doing some serious flopping in the penalty box. Either that or it was very slippery in the penalty box just for the Charlotte offensive players. But no penalty kicks were called. Jackson Wyman, the Bulls goalkeeper, had to come up with some great saves on this night. You'll hear him make one, but then immediately after that, Charlotte keeps up the pressure and he just missed another great save. It was a tremendous tying goal. Yeah, a really crucial chance for the Niners here. You have a 6-5 striker here too. I imagine that's where they're going with it. Watts, corner comes in, headed out by the Bulls. Kirk, opportunity, Colby in, oh, save. What a save by Wyman. Watts is going to track that one down, cross it back in, but headed easily out by the Bulls. And throw in from Zamar Wood right into Nianjo. Cross into the box, Jauk with it. Out to Callum Watts. Watts puts it on oh, the line what the a goal. What a finish by Watts. What a finish. What a great, a great run of play by Charlotte there. Definitely was. They deserved it. They absolutely deserved it. We told you yesterday that Charlotte had eight players with multiple goals on their team, which is an astonishing stat, and he was not one of them until that one. That was his second goal, his second career goal, though. He did have six assists, but that was a spectacular shot. Then we told you Wyman had to make some great saves. Not sure how he came up with this one with about eight minutes left, but it kept the game tied. Clearly, and you can actually see it after the tying goal by Charlotte, the 49ers were playing for a win. At that time, they reached and got the ball as quickly as they could, and they sprinted back to midfield, and they kept on sprinting. The Bulls were hanging on for a tie, and they barely hung on here. And now Lacey gets it again, plays it forward to Jauk, an opportunity for the 49ers. He's going to play it back to Kirk. Kirk has some options, puts it into the box. Oh, the what gross. a save by Wyman. Oh, my gosh. Huge opportunity for the 49ers, wow. but an even better save from Wyman. What a ball in there by Kirk. Off of Wyman, off the post. I put out a quick replay of it on Twitter, at Derek Sharp, D-A-R-E-K-S-H-A-R-P. 
It was a masterful cross. The guy who barely missed the goal, Jonathan Nianjo, really did all you could do there. There were times, and this is something we told you on yesterday's show was the case, that Charlotte looked like a professional team offensively. And could the Bulls maintain the tie? Or could they maybe sneak a goal in at the end? The last few minutes were dramatic and nail-biting. The Bulls got called for a foul rightfully about 20 yards from goal, maybe a little bit more than that. But this was an interesting situation because if you are behind in a game and you're the team that's trying to tie it up, the referees will generally stop the clock a little bit more if they think that the leading team, the defending team, is stalling. So this you couldn't do. It was a tie game. You can't say that one team's stalling, even though clearly the Bulls would have pushed fast forward after that last highlight and said, okay, we'll take the tie. So what I found fascinating in this sequence, on this free kick, the foul actually took place. In fact, the ball was put down for the free kick with exactly three and a half minutes on the clock. And Charlotte took its time trying to line up the perfect free kick and didn't take it until 2.14 was left. So even though it was a scary opportunity, if you're the Bulls, that minute off the clock was just fine. You were in that mode if you were watching it from USF's perspective. And they got the goal kick off with less than two minutes to go, and it was about just trying to keep it on the other side of the ball, and the Bulls did a great job of it. So, speaking of doing a great job, the ball came back to Wyman. He booted it back over midfield with about 45 seconds to go. Oscar Rosano did a nice job of winning a 50-50 ball. Josh Gomino was tremendous in dribbling it into the corner. You even saw the coaching staff, Bob Butehorn and crew, point to the corner, which is what you do when you're trying to salt away a win. So they weren't necessarily trying to attack. They just didn't want to give the other team a bunch of chances. Remember, that's kind of what happened in the UAB game. Bulls, in that case, led, and UAB ended up scoring with five seconds to go. As I said, just as a refresher, we've had some late drama The last two results for the Bulls in conference play had a couple of moments at the end. We'll give you those first, and then we'll set up last night's. Perez loses the ball, but Soga gets it, and it's knocked ahead. Goalkeeper is out. Here's Afalabi with a chance for the lead. In. Goal! And the Bulls take the lead. Bulls headed up to Kostanchik by Perez. Off to his right foot. Chance here for a shot by Rosano. And it's in! An immediate answer! And Rosano runs by the FIU bench and says, I can't hear you. Those were not last-second situations, but those were big-time results for the Bulls in conference play. This, uh, well, first of all, crew is not going to be nearly as excited. Understandably, they were pulling for Charlotte. But this was very much last-second. As I said, the Bulls were playing for a tie and kind of took their time. Actually, Gomina was about to throw the ball in with 20 seconds left. Give a little assist to Andres Freire, one of the subs there on the sideline, saying, hold on, hold on, let's get our long throw taker, Brian Schaefer, in here for one last, what the heck, maybe we can walk it off. Here's how that went. 15 seconds left, and I think the Bulls are content to maybe have one throw. It looks like they're going to try and, and do a long throw into the box here. With time ticking away, an opportunity for the Bulls. Throw in comes. And that finds the back of the net. The Bulls do it. A literal buzzer beater. Two seconds left. The Bulls pull out the win. Oh, my gosh. And the USF, the South Florida sideline, goes crazy. Exactly what they drew up. 
headed into the back of the net, and all Thomas Wallace can do is watch that one go over his head. And Rossano picks up his fourth goal of the season, and that's going to be deflected off. Bulls pick up a massive win in the American. Oh, indeed it was. If you didn't see it, I did put it out on Twitter last night at Derek Sharp, D-A-R-E-K-S-H-A-R-P. So it doesn't lock up anything for the Bulls, but the difference between a tie, which again, we'll stress, would have been just fine, and the win is quite something. The Bulls, yes, are in fifth place, which doesn't sound like anything special, but with everybody having two matches left now in the American, the Bulls are actually only three points out of first. Now, the team that's in first, SMU, has the head-to-head I wouldn't get so excited about trying to catch them. I would point to the fact that they are just one point behind three teams. There's a three-way tie for second. Tulsa, who the Bulls have the head-to-head on because they beat them. FIU, who the Bulls tied. And Memphis, who the Bulls played this Friday. So they have control of their own fate as far as finishing in the top four now. And they could, if other results work out, finish in the number two spot, which would mean a first-round bye. If they get into the top four in the third or fourth position specifically, they would get to host a first-round conference tournament game. And, by the way, a cushion now exists between the Bulls and the wrong side of the getting into the conference tournament cut line, which is the sixth spot. The Bulls are in the fifth spot with 12 points. That's three wins, three ties, and a loss in conference play. They're below 500 overall at 4-5-4, four, and four, but where it matters, the conference, they're getting it done. UCF is three points behind the Bulls. The Bulls wrap up the regular season in Orlando next Wednesday. We'll be there for that one. But with the win against Charlotte, now there are four points between the Bulls and Charlotte, along with the other team tied with Charlotte, FAU, in the seventh and eighth position. So the Bulls, with that four-point cushion, automatically wrap up a spot in the conference tournament if they beat Memphis on Friday because a team outside of the top six mathematically would not be able to catch them. Even if the Bulls don't win, there's a chance they could clinch on Friday night. We'll get more into those scenarios as the week goes along, specifically because you know if Charlotte and FAU both lose this Friday, they technically won't be able to catch the Bulls. A tie could even make for a situation that benefits the Bulls. But I think at this point, with that win... You are looking for a win to go ahead and not only knock down worrying about making it into the conference tournament, but lifting yourself up possibly into that top four. And it is, if you look at the schedule, definitely possible. If you look at who the other teams ahead of them are playing, there's not many gimme wins in this league. You don't want to assume anything, but it is looking really good for the Bulls, who ended up out shooting Charlotte 10 to 9 in the game. And Oscar Rosano with his second dramatic goal in the last couple of weeks. Now the Bulls have beaten two top 25 teams, tied another that wasn't the top 25 FIU that has fallen out, but is still a very talented team. Again, they finish their home slate against Memphis on Friday, and then they are at UCF next Wednesday. When I say finish their home slate, they might not be done playing home matches because the third and the fourth seeds get to host first-round conference tournament games, and the Bulls are definitely in that running after that thrilling win. Told you we'd give you some Jeff Scott on the quarterback situation. That is coming up next here on Bulls Beat. Stay tuned. Back to the beat. Bulls Beat continues with Derek Sharp. Remember, we've got a women's soccer war and I for tomorrow. We'll preview that for you on tomorrow's show, and it's going to be quite a next week over in Orlando if everything works out how it looks like it will. We're going to have both of our soccer teams playing 
in Orlando next week, Wednesday night, with the men's definite match. It's the last one of the regular season, and by then, again, the Bulls should hopefully have a conference tournament spot wrapped up, which will lessen the tension, but it's always tense with the Warren I-4. And then, most likely, the women's soccer team will be playing that Thursday afternoon in the AAC tourney semifinals. There is a chance that the Bulls wouldn't get there. Let's not be too pessimistic. If they don't win tomorrow night in the last game of the regular season, coincidentally or not, against UCF at Corbett, and we'll have that for you live on USF Bulls Unlimited. If they were to lose that game and Cincinnati on the same night takes down East Carolina tomorrow, then the Bulls would actually have to play at home Sunday to start off the conference tournament. And Yeah, they'd have to win that one technically to get over to Orlando. But we are fully planning on the women's soccer team playing in the semifinals. In fact, I'm going to go ahead and hole up in a hotel over there on Wednesday night because... You tell me, should I be driving over to Orlando on a Wednesday for a night soccer match and then trying to come back home and then drive back over on a Thursday afternoon? So we're going to be set up there. But again, we could be at home with the men's soccer team for a conference tournament match, which would be tremendously exciting. Either way, we know that Friday night this week against Memphis at home is going to be a big match. And congratulations to those guys for what they pulled off last night. The Jeff Scott Press Conference can only be heard live and or seen live on USF Bulls Unlimited, if you didn't know that. And we had it going yesterday, immediately offered the chance for the coach for the first time, even though it had been a week, to comment on Gary Bohannon's season-ending injury. Uh, disappointing news that we got uh, early last week about uh, Gary's shoulder. Uh, you know, they did an x-ray right after the game and had good news there that he didn't have a, a broken collarbone or anything. But whenever they did the MRI... Uh, it did uh, show some things that they feel like they need to go clean up in surgery. So uh, he'll be out for the remainder of the season and, and really just feel for him. Uh, you know, he really uh, was, was uh, settling in and, and playing really good ball uh, the last two games. And uh, so disappointed for him, number one, and then obviously, you know, uh, for our team. Uh, but, you know, Gary is a, a tough guy, uh, mentally and, and physically a tough guy. And, even though this is a setback uh, for him, I've got full confidence that he'll uh, come back and, and be stronger next year. Uh, for our team, uh, it's just uh, another injury to add to the list. Uh, a long list. Was hoping that maybe through the uh, first six games we would kind of get that behind us, uh, but it looks like it's you know continuing to, to add there. But at the end of the day, uh, we can't feel sorry for ourselves. We can't you know use these as excuses or you know. Whatever, uh, that, that's not going to get anything accomplished. Uh, the only only path is to have the next man up mindset and uh, go back to work. And uh, you know, going back watching the tape, I thought there were some some things that Trey Marsh did a good job of. He had two nice uh, touchdown passes, and then you know he had some plays obviously that he'll need to improve and he'll work on and uh, clean up the the turnover there. But you know, Trey's been here uh, for three years and um, he's gotten a lot of work uh, in practice as as a backup and had a few experiences uh, in games, but I'm excited uh, to be able to see him go out and play this week uh, versus Houston. We'll, of course, go more on the current now quarterback for the Bulls, but one thing that Joey Johnston wanted to ask right off the gate is how going into the bye week, there was supposed to be some things that the coaching staff sat back and reflected on and maybe decided to try and correct the rest of the way. So go ahead, Coach, tell us those things. What, what are they specifically? Can I tell you at the end of the season? Yes, that's fine. <laughs> uh, I'm not trying to be smart. I'm just 
I think it's always important during your bye week, regardless of success or lack of success, you know, you always go and do a self-scout uh, where you take a kind of defensive look at your offense, an offensive look at your defense, and then, uh, you know, share some of those things. And uh, you're looking at tendencies. You're looking at, you know, what did we think we would do well? How did we do in that? And what gave us problems? And how do we correct that? And uh, so I guess what I would confirm is, yes, we took a lot of time to do that, and we did find some things. But uh, I don't think it's in our advantage uh, to kind of share overall what that is. I think uh, from a 10,000-foot view, um, you know, at the end of the day, uh, what we've told our guys is the game is about execution. It's not about plays, right? We can draw up plays and talk about how this could work and how this happens and all that. At the end of the day, it's uh, how well you execute. So as a coach, you know, uh, are we coaching and teaching the things that our guys can execute well in practice and can carry over to the game? And then for the players is, am I executing and doing what I need to do with my job? And then personnel-wise, obviously with the change at quarterback, there'll be you know, some subtle changes. I'm not sure that big picture-wise people would see major changes, but there'll be some subtle changes because you know, each of those guys, Gary is different than Trey, and Trey's different uh, you know, than, than uh, Byram and, and some of those other guys. So uh, you, know, you have to kind of balance that in as well uh, with uh, what you have. And then you know, defensively, uh, again, it's kind of a time to go back and, and look at what you've done well. And, uh, and what you need to improve on. And, uh, and a lot of it's not real exciting stuff to talk about. It's the, the basics. It's tackling, right? It's being uh, playing with lower pads uh, up front. It's uh, having better leverage and understanding, you know, angles and, and all of these kind of things. And so that's another thing that we spent a lot of time on, a uh, little extra time uh, for individual fundamental work. Did probably 25 minutes a day. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday on fundamentals. We're typically in the season because of the game planning and all that. You're, you're more about 10 minutes in true indie work. So uh, part of it's kind of going back, focusing on that. And then, you know, for us, you know, there'll, there'll be some things. I'm not sure that it'd be something that somebody on the outside would be able to, to notice, but there's definitely things within our scheme that uh, we can do uh, better and, and put our guys in a better situation. And, that's kind of our part of our job as a coach. You never kind of just start out and then you just go on autopilot and play the whole season out. Every week you've got to, you know, adjust uh, to the, the good and the bad that comes. Actually, inside information, he wants to hold on to all of the specifics until tonight's football radio show, which you can hear for the first time at 6 o'clock on USF Bulls Unlimited. Okay, I don't know about the secrets, but the football radio show indeed every Wednesday at 6. This will not be a live at World of Beer 1. This will be one that we tape early in the afternoon and I'll let you know who the guests are because well, I'm kind of there when we tape the show. We'll also speak to both coordinators today. Audio which you can hear on tomorrow's program. Now, back to Trey Marsh. Going back to how he became a bull in the first place and if you'd forgotten wanted to transfer away from being a bull briefly before he came back and the Bulls are glad he did. I want to say he was committed to Utah. Uh, early on, and then uh, you know, whenever I got the job and I was here for maybe 10 days, and then I went back to Clemson, and when I wasn't game planning or at practice, you know, I was on the phone and recruiting, and obviously quarterback's a, a big thing. Uh, I remember that you know, he, he won a lot of games uh, there at his school and came from a, a really good program. I knew he had good arm strength. 
Uh, I knew he was a big-bodied guy. Um, sometimes, you know, you're looking for some guys that, you know, bigger guys, big stat, uh, stature in the, in the pocket and all that kind of stuff. And then I, I met him, and I thought he had a good, you know, personality and, and all that to him. Um, and it just kind of clicked. And so I think that, that part's really good. Um, the other thing I'd say about Trey, too, is uh, I mean, this world we're in, man, it just operates so fast, right, this environment and college football and the portal and all these things. And so, you know, last year in December, you know, Trey, you know, knowing that we had a starter coming back who Trey had competed with, you know, Trey decided to get in the portal to kind of see, you know, what he could do. And, uh, you know, after being in there for a couple of weeks, you know, he called me back and started talking through a few things. And, uh, and really, we didn't have – we had two freshmen coming in, but we didn't have anybody other than our returning starter at that point coming back. And so uh, I'm glad that I agreed to let him come back, right, because you didn't really know all the other things that transpired. That, that's one thing that, you know, people could miss, that if he would have done kind of the normal thing and just kind of moved on, then, you know, we could have – been in a, a situation right now uh, where we have one fewer quarterback with experience that has played and, and been in that meeting room for, for three years. Uh, so I do appreciate uh, that part. And uh, I, I'm excited. I, I know, um, you know, he's had some, some good plays and some bad plays when he's been in there, but that's all kind of part of your journey as a, as a young player. And it is difficult uh, going into a game and not knowing, you know, if you're going to play or not. you got to kind of prepare for that. Uh, but now having two weeks to kind of get ready and, and know that this is going to be his game, uh, I'm excited to, to see him go lead our offense. And then one more for Coach Scott. He lets us know the backups in order as they stand. A lot of youth. We really have uh, three guys that will be kind of uh, working and getting ready. Uh, the first will be Byron Brown. Uh, Byron's a true freshman uh, that we're very high on, and uh, we believe he has a, a big future. You know, a very smart uh, young man. I think he – had over a 4.0 in high school, and I believe he's making straight A's here. Um, he's mature for his age, uh, for being a, a young guy. Uh, he's got really good maturity to him. Uh, everything's very important to him. He picks up things very quickly. And um, I think you don't ever like to be in this situation losing your starter. Uh, but maybe one uh, silver lining for us is it happened uh, going into a bye week where we have two weeks to, to really get uh, Trey and, and Byram ready. Uh, behind Byram is uh, Gunnar Smith, another freshman that we signed. And uh, Gunnar's really uh, improved. He's been working with the scout team really all fall and doing a good job for them down there. And obviously with this, we've, we've moved him up uh, to the varsity. And then uh, also uh, one other quarterback I wanted to mention, uh, Ryan Boldick is a, a walk-on quarterback for us that uh, came in from uh, Cardinal Mooney and uh, another very smart uh, player and, and uh, has done a really good job for us. He knows what we're doing. And uh, so those will really be the, the three guys uh, there behind Trey that uh, will be uh, giving reps and, and getting ready uh, for uh, this week and for the remainder of the season. Again, more of Coach Scott tonight at 6 on the Football Radio Show. We'll also have an assistant and a player as a guest. Jason Vaughn and Brian Batty also spoke at the press conference. We're going to hang on to those comments for you, and we'll have those in the next couple of days. We'll also add in, I'm sure, another one or two of our basketball interviews but that win last night for men's soccer kind of took over some time in today's show deservedly so well done bulls that's bulls beat for a wednesday no conference show today there was just one other game last night in the league we'll stack it up for you on friday horns up i'm Derek sharp